Hey, did you guys know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month? So guess what we're talking about today? And by we, I mean me and a special guest. So stay tuned. Let's get into it. You're listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. None of the information in this podcast is sufficient nor intended to diagnose your personal medical issue, but there's a lot to learn, so let's start the show. Yep, so May is... Mental Health Awareness Month, kind of fitting when we're on day, who even knows what, of social distancing or physical distancing and quarantine. Um, So I'm excited to talk about this topic with you guys because I think it's something that in the Black community we don't discuss as much as we should. And I, (laughs) I know from experience that we don't have a ton of experience navigating the mental health system for reasons maybe covered in the previous episode, social determinants of COVID-19, but we'll get into it today. I have a special guest with me. Um, Sorry that you guys only get to hear this and don't get to see him because he's kind of (laughs) fine. It's my husband, Matthew, who has a lot of experience working with the mental health population. Um, You have worked lockdown in patient psych. You have worked with folks who are coming out of prison and transitioning back into society. You've worked with families and children, Um, lots of people diagnosed and undiagnosed. So welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, You know, one of the first things that comes to my mind when I think about mental health is all the little signs that we're not trained to be tuned into. So you and I, we might notice stuff right away if somebody's really um, restless or darting their eyes or hypervigilant. But I think um, because there's so many people with mental health issues that are high functioning. Oh, yeah. And living in the world, working, um, raising families, being in relationships, it's hard for folks who don't have that training to identify when things start to escalate. What are, in your opinion, having worked with people both inpatient and outpatient, what are some of the signs, maybe some of the early warning signs that friends and family members who are quarantined with loved ones and might be concerned about their mental health may notice? And don't worry so much about being like medically correct, because that's why I wanted to have you as a guest, because um, I I don't want to be too medicalized or scientific, but I just want to hear it from somebody with a lot of experience. Yeah, well, you know, first off, you know, I, I like to clarify because I'm not a licensed professional uh, as far as mental health goes. What I have is a degree that is akin to counseling, which affords me the opportunity to work in a lot of situations where I am dealing with mental health issues. So, um, you know, so I'm not here. Um, I'm never going to claim to be able to diagnose anybody or anything like that. But I can definitely speak to some things you might see or some things you might observe in a loved one or 
uh, acquaintance. Uh, but I think the most important thing to be able to notice with somebody, especially somebody that's close to you, is baselines. So you have to be cognizant of what is normal for, you know, your your loved ones. You know, um, mental health is not uh, always, it's, it's not the stigma that you see on TV or that you read about in the news. It's not, uh, mental health issues could be something as small as feeling down, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's more of a, a mental rhythm. And uh, what happens sometimes is we get out of that rhythm and those are the things we need our close loved ones to be able to notice. Uh, sleep patterns change, uh, irritability, um, restlessness, I mean, melancholy. There's a lot of different signs that somebody might be headed towards uh, a mental health incident or breakdown. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways you could classify it. I love that you started with baselines because personality is so vast and there's such a, a spectrum of different personalities. So what I understand you to be saying is that if somebody is always quiet, if somebody is always kind of um, melancholy is the word that you used, um, then that would not be maybe a sign of deterioration. But for somebody who's usually really upbeat, usually really outgoing, usually pretty talkative, that might be a sign. And then vice versa for the people who are, you know, high energy, outgoing, um, and, you know, usually you know, just more extroverted in general, when they become quiet and isolated and not very social to, you know, maybe raise a brow and say, gosh, okay, so this isn't their norm. Right. Um, a lot of things we just, like I said, any even if you went to a psychiatrist or um, a counselor, you know, one of the things they're going to establish right out the gates is a, is a baseline. They're going to get to know you the first couple of sessions, you know, they're not trying to delve into, you know, your mental health per se. They want to know who you are as a person, you know, what what's normal for you. Are you a regimented person? Do you have a steady bedtime? Do you, you know, do you have a, a daily routine? Um, are you generally a enthusiastic person or are you more of a recluse? You know, it, there's a lot of different things that go into our everyday makeup and a lot of times the signs that we look for in mental health are changes in that so uh, sometimes they're sudden sometimes they can be a little bit more mm, not obvious I'll, I'll put it that way yeah that is kind of tough in a time like this because I think all of our daily routines are a little messed up um, some of us who would see our friends multiple times a week, haven't seen them now in several weeks. And so it can feel a little bit off kilter. Um, but we know our baselines or we know our friends and family baselines. And um, that's a really good point. Like if somebody is suddenly behaving differently or gradually behaving more differently, 
to um, maybe check in with that person and, and just see what's going on with them, how they're feeling. You mentioned sleep, and I think the two biggest things that um, pop out to me are sleep and work. Um, people who are, <laughs> you, you know, typically work the eight to five and suddenly are working around the clock and just workaholic and project after project, or folks who suddenly cannot get up and go to work or just can't seem to get through the work day or calling out of work. And, you know, that's not what's normal for them because we all have them coworkers who we know about week three, <laughs> they're about to call off work. You're not going to see them. Yes. So I want to um, not just help people to recognize signs in their friends and family, but also within themselves and talk about what some of the options are because seeking care right now is also very complicated with a lot of places being shut down. A lot of um, counseling services are now being provided via telemedicine. Um, and it's just a whole different ballgame as far as accessing care. So the first thing to do really is to know yours or your loved one's normal behavior. What is their regular rhythm. I like that word <laughs> that you use, rhythm. And then what we can actually offer as community members, as friends and as family, when somebody is noticeably out of rhythm, how to go about that in ways that aren't offensive or hurtful, but not to shy away from it. Um, I know our culture is a praying culture. You know, we will be quick to text the friends, the fam, hey, you know, send some up for this one, that one. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, say a prayer for them, um, which is wonderful. And I believe in prayers. and I believe in the power of prayers. But I also believe in practical help. Um, what are some ways that may or may not be helpful, you know, when you're dealing with somebody who's struggling with their mental health. And when I say may not be helpful, I'm talking about might actually escalate people. As somebody who's worked with folks who were in crisis, what are some things that might escalate crisis? And maybe what are some therapeutic um, interventions that could help the average person to de-escalate a crisis? Hmm. Well, I think as far as um, what are some things we can do to help a situation, help a person, is generally when we do things that we enjoy, um, you know, which can be hard sometimes because if a person is experiencing a low or a depressive, you know, uh, state, Sometimes doing those things aren't necessarily what they want to do at that moment. But, you know, sometimes we just need a little encouragement. You got to, you know, you got to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit. Um, I know, like I speak for myself, like phys being physical was a big, big thing for me. So I can't remember a time where anybody asked me, like, if I wanted to play basketball. And I was like, nah, I'm good. But there are times when it's just like, especially out here where we're at, 
uh, because typically if you want to go play ball somewhere, you got to do it at the butt crack of dawn. I mean, we're playing at like 630 in the morning. And sometimes it's really hard to peel yourself out the bed and get up and go and uh, do something physical, you know. But uh, I think prolonged avoidance of activities that we know that uh, we enjoy could be a sign for yourself. It could be a sign for, uh, you know, people who know you or people you know. So I think just being cognizant of that, you want to encourage to, you know, people to do the activities that they enjoy because that's typically a way to kind of bring us back, you know, to ourselves. But I think things you want to avoid, if we can speak on that, is you don't want to get too pushy. and you definitely don't want to try to diagnose anybody, you know. So one thing we got to realize is that, you know, like many other things in life, every you know, everything tends to ebb and flow. So, you know, there's there's peaks and valleys. There's ups and downs. Um, there are times, you know, some people put on a better face than others. You know, some people uh, can show, you know, enthusiasm or you know, happiness or joy, however you want to put it. Some people can show it at a more consistent rate than other people. But uh, typically, everybody has a tolerance level at some point. So what you don't want to do is push somebody past that point to the point where you become an an annoyance. Mm. That can uh, definitely escalate a situation quickly. A A lot of it has to do with tact. In the relationship itself, the you know, relationship. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to be, you know, if you are that one person who is not the closest with this individual, whoever we're talking about, maybe you're not the right person to have that conversation with them. You know, you might want to find, you know, let's say we're talking about siblings, you know what I mean? Um, I have four sisters and two brothers, all right, but some of my siblings I'm a little more closer with than others. You know, if I saw something in one of my siblings, per se, you know, just for an example, there might be one or two that I might be like, hey, you know, I might go to one of my other siblings and be like, yo, have you noticed, you know, so-and-so has been, you know, kind of down or kind of acting funny or, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever I'm observing, see if maybe, maybe I'm tripping. Maybe nobody else is seeing what I'm seeing, right? But maybe they are. And if they are, then maybe we start talking about it amongst ourselves. And then maybe we find the one who has that, you know, that relationship to go in there and and do the talking because typically the person with the relationship is gonna know the the roadway to have that conversation. Yeah, I love that. Relationship is everything. And that also speaks to why therapists and counselors spend the first couple sessions getting to know you. Because if on session one, you start telling somebody all about themselves, the likelihood of them coming back to you or further opening up to you is probably not that high. Um, One thing that you said that I just think is so simple and so profound at the same time is reaching them on their level. Like, what does that person like to do? What do they enjoy doing? I personally struggled with postpartum depression, as you are well aware. Not sure I've ever talked about it on the podcast. I don't think I've had a women's health person. So if you're listening and you're a women's health nurse practitioner, holla at your girl and we'll talk about it. 
But I just remember like wondering at one point, like how I lost myself so deeply and badly and trying to remember what I even like to do because I didn't even remember like what did I do for fun because everything was baby. You know what I mean? Night and day was baby. And when you have kids close together, um, you really, you know, I had I had my boys 25 months apart and you really lose sight of all of that. And you, you think about going a couple of years without ever um, going out or going away for yourself or participating in anything uh, just because you enjoy doing it. Right. Um, and and I should mention, you know, postpartum depression is serious and it's a lot more common than we ever really talk about. So, you know, that falls under that category as well. If you know somebody um, who recently gave birth or who recently had any major life change, getting married, I think that's another one <laughs> that people don't really think about. Like you think it's such a joyous occasion, it's such a happy thing, but then suddenly you're with this person all the time. Hello, quarantine. Hello, folks who are living together, married, unmarried, but you know, stuck together <laughs> for this quarantine. It's like, okay, I have somebody, I should be happy, but like they're always here, you know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, and so really trying to remember, like, okay, I remember going, what do I like? And I love sports myself, and volleyball is one of the sports that I love. And I joined a volleyball team, and it was literally like coming home to myself. It was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even realize how much I missed this. I mean, like, talk about snatching you up out of your place. It was like that first game. I'm sure I was fat and slow, but it was just everything that I needed and didn't know that I needed. Um, so, yeah, so that's a great tip of thinking about what people enjoy and reaching out to them on that level. It is hard during this time because a lot of the things that we enjoy, we don't have access to. The gyms are closed. You know, I also enjoy singing and I sing at my church and it is closed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I have to make myself you know, I had to put a playlist on in the car on my way to work today and sing, 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 just because that's something that I do for me that helps keep me grounded and centered. And so if there's a lot, if you know somebody whose life has completely changed, some of us are out here, I still go to work every day. I'm essential um, and I'm going to the hospital every single day. So for me, that major part of my day hasn't changed, right? But if you know somebody who's like a server, for instance, and maybe they're really outgoing and they're really great at what they do and suddenly they don't have those interactions anymore, suddenly they're isolated. Um, I have a couple of friends that I'm checking in with regularly because they live by themselves. Um, and, you know, imagine how isolated you would be if you're used to interacting in the world and now suddenly everything is taken away, like you can go to the store and walk around and see a bunch of people in masks, which I have to say, that affects our mental health. Like you can't see smiles. You don't know what people look like. I've been seeing patients with masks and it was cute today. We had a patient that was like, can you please just take your mask down for a second so I can just see who you are? Um, 
So yeah, and don't sleep on virtual check-ins. I know texting is so huge and so simple and accessible. Get your people on Zoom. If they if they can, I shouldn't say Zoom. They ain't paying me and their stock is going through the roof. <laughs> FaceTime, Zoom, Messenger, whatever kind of an application where you can see their face. It is something about knowing that you have to face other people that will make you wash your face. You know, (laughs) there's people who probably don't see a need to shower right now. And when you start slipping down that road, it's a slippery slope. Why even get out of bed? We see the jokey, jokey memes going on and everything like, why do this or that? I can't go nowhere anyway. Um, Funny, haha, yes, but sometimes we have to check with ourselves and be like, you know, I ain't seen or heard from this person in this long or I need to interact with other people. You guys, I had a, a virtual happy hour with my girlfriends. Do you remember that? Mm, yeah. <laughs> the five hour one. <laughs> I, I, we just didn't even realize how much we needed to see each other and talk and laugh, you know. So I encourage that sort of thing as well. Um, I want to, again, summarize like some of the major things. Um, Diet, exercise, sleep. Um, Those are themes that if they get shifted um, severely or abruptly can really throw us off. I know it's quarantine, but I also know that your body, your rhythm... And if you want it to stay, you want to stay in rhythm, you got to go to bed. And I'm, I'm, I don't know why I raised my voice like that, because somebody's listening that I know is staying up all night because they ain't got to get up. That is not good for you guys. Don't get into that habit. My husband's sitting here looking like, are you hollering at me? No, you never go to bed. And that's your rhythm. I'm talking about the people who... You know, normally go to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock and are now like, you know what? I'm going to just binge watch Ozark and stay up all night long. It's a a fine line, though, because uh, some of these things are also what uh, is keeping people going. So Mm. I think at the end of the day, it's uh, a balance. You got to have a balance between the things you enjoy, but also taking care of your body. It's Mm. just like uh, anything else, you know, you got to have a balance of fun and, and business, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to take care of business, take care of your home, take care of your finances, things like that. But, you know, I'm definitely a, a work to live person, not a live to work person. So, uh, but like I said, there's balance in everything. So you can't just be on one side of the, of the polar, you know, the polar stick, you gotta be somewhere in the gray in the middle. And um, find that balance. Everybody's going to be a little bit different, you know. I'm really a fan of the idea of having a buddy um, through quarantine. Just somebody that you check in with. You guys establish with each other. Hey, we don't have to talk every day. But we're going to check in with each other at least twice a week. Or, you know, you shoot them a little text. Or pick up the phone and call them. Or what have you. Think of the people in your life that are truly, truly isolated. Um, who don't have kids, who don't have partners, who are not essential workers. And just imagine what that's like for a minute. Um, I hope that you are making a list in your head or on the notes in your phone. (laughs) And, um, 
you know, start working through that list. Check in with people. You'd be surprised what folks have been holding in and dealing with since the last time you talked, (laughs) Um, especially like with job changes and moves and just years. Like we're in that age, we're in our late 30s and it's kind of a time where time is just going fast and we're working and we're chasing kids and and the years are passing by. You had a um a little party with your friends. I can't remember what was it a draft party? Yeah, in the draft. It sounded like there was a party in my house. I was like, how is this possible? Do you want to touch on that? That might be a cute idea for some of the guys. Well, not a cute idea. Um, You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, just a little, I I guess a little bit about myself. I'm not typically the type of person that would do something like that. It's a little bit out of my comfort zone. I'm one of those people like, we say, hey, let's uh, let's have a barbecue. Like, let's host a barbecue. I'm the person who, like, the first emotion I go through is, like, dread. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. I don't feel like hosting these people. I don't want to see these people. Like, I don't feel like doing this talking. Like, that's my first initial, you know, reaction. But then, of course, get the barbecue grill going. People start showing up. Then there's laughing. There's jokes. There's, you know, cars, dominoes, whatever we're doing, we're having a good time. And it's like, oh, man, it was great. You know, so it was another one of those situations where uh, I guess uh, a friend of mine's wife reached out to my wife and uh, who, you know, they're friends as well. And they wanted to do a draft party on a visual communication <laughs> application that's not, not going to be <laughs> named because I'm not catching a check. So uh, and uh, so. You know, I was kind of reluctant because I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like talking and all that stuff. You know, I'm probably one of the most uh, extroverted invert introverts you'll ever meet, which is kind of weird to say out loud, right? But anyway, so uh, we we started going, and then the draft was going, and you know, first we were talking football, but then we were talking life, and then we're talking, you know, and, and I don't know anybody that's gonna be a friend with me, you're gonna be a clown because I'm I'm just not that serious i don't like to take myself too serious so you know so yeah we we had a good time and um i i encourage people to to do it and if you're an introvert like me who's just like uh the last thing you want to do is just like uh reach out to people or talk to people you know every once in a while i think it's pretty good to get out your comfort zone and you know especially if you have a, a good group of friends to talk to which i'm very blessed to yeah, they were loud. It sounded like there were five men in the man cave hollering at a television, but there was just one hollering at his laptop and the computer. So, yeah, that's a, another idea. You know, you're do a virtual baby shower, a virtual, you know, draft party, virtual happy hour, what have you. And um, with the happy hour, I just, gosh, I feel like such a killjoy, but I am a nurse practitioner. So there, um, not too much drinking. Um, if you find yourself drinking a lot more, um, 
check in with yourself and try to understand where that's coming from and what it is that you really need and be brave enough to reach out to your loved ones for what it is you really need. And the same goes for drugs. We live in a legal marijuana state. um, But if you're somebody who doesn't smoke every day and now you're like, well, whatever, no reason not to check in with yourself. Is that really what you want to be doing? What is it that you're missing? How can you verbalize that, get that out, articulate it and creatively meet that need? Um, I want to wrap up um, about crisis because some people will be pushed over the edge into crisis, um, psychosis or a mental health crisis where people are really bad off, not eating, not sleeping, maybe seeing things that aren't there, which we call visual hallucinations or hearing um, people or voices that are not there, auditory hallucinations. Um, it becomes crisis level and it can be really hard to get help in a crisis because there are really three major things that will get you help. And being black complicates all of those things. The first one is being a threat to yourself. Um, If you are a threat to yourself, meaning um, suicidal or at risk for seriously harming yourself, cutting, um, things of that nature, banging your head into a wall or what have you, that is a reason that you could be detained against your will and taken for a psychiatric evaluation and, um, and possibly even hospitalized. Um, and that's not as easy of a thing as it probably should be, or I wish it was. Um, being a danger to others. This is so hard because nobody that I know black wants to say this person is a threat to me. And, um, Not to derail too much, but I think that's why we have more uh, domestic violence that goes unreported. Because, you know, if my husband punches me in the face, um, I can call the police, but how the police will respond to him may be worse than him punching me in the face, if that makes sense. And so we have this catch-22 that we're in as Black people like yo, this person is trying to swing on me, but I know if I involve law enforcement, we could both end up dead. So I want to be really um, serious about these tips because it's not easy asking for help and it's not easy getting help. Um, And a lot of times the first responders um, either have no diversity training or simply cannot hide their fear of us. And it's it's sad and it's not fair and it's not founded, but a lot of times they really are afraid of us. Um, I can, I've been in healthcare for so long. I can think of so many situations where someone needed help, and the first question that was asked was, "Are they armed? <laughs> you know, are there any weapons?" Um, you know, how many people are in there and, and you can see the fear on someone's eyes. Um, a recent situation, I was, um, speaking with an officer on behalf of a family 
And the person never looked me in my eye. Their questions were not about the well-being of the individual. They wanted to know how many people were in the room. They wanted people to come out. And, you know, I'm not a first responder. And my hat is off to them because I, I, I'm not for a reason. I don't want to walk into a situation that I don't know anything about and was called to because there was some sort of upset. But I have seen this play out with non-black people and with black people. And it is different for us. And I don't even have to say that because y'all know. Um, So it's important to know how to access this help. Now, if you call 911 because say your loved one is just off the chain and you can't contain them, you can't redirect them, you can't go to sleep because they're not going to sleep and they're not acting in a way that makes you feel safe enough to go to sleep. The three things that are going to get you help are danger to yourself, danger to others, or gravely disabled. And gravely disabled means they can't take care of themselves. You know, um, some of the signs of grave disability are being unkempt, you know, not changing your clothes, not having eaten in in days, not having slept in days, not, you know, knowing what you need to do and not being able to do it. And that doesn't make sense probably to some people, but to those who it does make sense to, you know what I'm talking about. You just, the person cannot do, and they might even verbalize to you, I just need to eat something and go to sleep. But they will not do those things because they cannot because they need attention. You are going to want to tell that person that you love them and you're worried about them and you have to act in their interest. You're going to want to safely transport them if you're able to safely transport them to a hospital yourself without involving law enforcement. You need people who understand the situation and can go with you together. One of the things that makes people feel safe when they're in crisis is familiar faces. You don't want to be in crisis and look around and you don't recognize anybody and they're all in scrubs or uniforms. That's terrifying for the person who's in crisis. So you want to make sure that a couple of friends or a couple of family members can go with. You're going to want, if you have had the time to do so, if you've had the luxury, to write an affidavit Write down what you've witnessed, what you saw happen, what you've been witnessing over the days leading up to crisis or the weeks leading up to crisis, who you are, how you're related or how you know that person. Because again, relationship, right? If I'm saying this about a stranger, it doesn't carry as much weight as if I'm saying it about my husband. Um, So you're going to want to write an affidavit. And, and be willing to be contacted and, and to talk with folks about what you have witnessed. And you're going to want to reassure that person. Um, in medicine, we're kind of big on not giving false hope. And so if you don't know what's going to happen, maybe don't say everything's going to be just fine. <laughs> maybe your words will sound something like, we're all here for you. And we're going to be here for you. We're going to get you through, you know. Um, And if you have to call law enforcement, y'all already know the rules. Hands don't go in your pockets. 
You know, if you're scared, say so. I, I'm big on that. You know, when I'm, but when I'm being made to feel uncomfortable, I verbalize that because what, what you're doing, whether you realize it or not, is finding common ground with the other people, um, with the first responders because they're afraid. So you're afraid of me. I'm afraid of you. <laughs> Let's just make a little informer deal. Ain't going to be no mess, you know. I'll never forget the time. Do you remember <laughs> my younger brother <laughs> was talking to my sons and he was like, guys, one thing you got to remember, I've had police pull guns on me many times. They're more afraid than you are. <laughs> and I'm just listening to him. And part of me is like, oh, my Lord, these are boys. They don't need to. You know what I'm saying? Why are we doing this? But another part of me is like, how awful is that? That you have had guns pulled on you multiple times and the expectation is that you're going to be the calm one or else you might lose your life. But that's the world we live in. That is, you know, what we're dealing with. Reality. That's reality. And so verbalize if you're afraid. Let them know there's no weapons. No one's armed. You know, grave disability is... Um, probably the nicest of the three. But if somebody is a harm to themselves or to you, listen, if you are in a house or an apartment or a studio or wherever with someone who is threatening you, threatening your safety, you have to make a decision because people die every day trying to protect an abuser or trying to protect somebody that, you know, they're afraid like this scenario I gave earlier, you know, you might punch me in the face, but the police might kill you. Listen, don't sit back and take those blows. You know, you, you got to do what you have to do. But if you are able to enlist the help of some loved ones to write down what's been going on and to reassure your loved one that you're there for them. It's, you know, you can you can come out on the other side of it with more knowledge, with better connections, because a lot of times, you know, when these things start happening and you start recognizing that you're out of rhythm, the first stop is your primary care provider, sending them a message through your patient portal because you can't go in or calling the clinic and saying, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This isn't me. I feel like I need a little help to get through this. Perfectly appropriate reason to call and get a telemedicine appointment or even go in. And I know that <laughs> we oftentimes think you go to the doctor when you're sick, period. You're sick or you're hurt. That's when you go. But guys, if you're sad, if you have not been able to get out of the bed for many of the past several days, if you're eating a lot more or a lot less than what is typical for you, if you're sleeping a lot more or a lot less than what is typical for you, if you're unusually irritable, you know, those signs that sometimes lead up to crisis are still a perfectly normal way and reason to go in or call for an appointment. Those are perfectly acceptable reasons. We love to see it. We, we hate, and I can, uh, let me speak for myself. I hate seeing a patient after 
they've had a heart attack and been in the hospital and had bypass surgery. I mean, I love my work and I'll see them, but I would so much rather see them on the front end when they're like, you know, when I walk up the second flight of stairs at work, I always have this little pressure in my chest. I would so much rather be talking to you then than after you've had to have your sternum split open and veins taken from other parts of your body to bypass your coronaries. Same goes with mental health. So much rather hear from you when you're saying, you know what? I don't feel like myself. I don't want to do anything that I enjoy. My sleep is off. My eating's off. I feel like I could use a little bit of help recentering. So much rather, so much rather see and help people through that way than they go through a crisis because you know what? They are traumatic. Crisis is traumatic for the person going through it and it can be traumatic for the people around them. Um, so when you very first start to notice these things, you know, reaching out and asking for help is perfectly appropriate. Um, so I am going to, on the Instagram, put some, you know, information, some phone numbers, some just info about mental health and, and statistics and, and of course the, um, some hotlines, some numbers that you can call if you are isolated and maybe you are that happy bubbly person and nobody ever thinks you have a problem. Nobody ever asks really, oh, how are you? I've been thinking about you. How have you been? Hello, been there. When you're the caregiver, when you're the person that's always doing the caring, sometimes people don't think that you need a little extra care. Um, so it's nice to have some phone numbers that you can just call on your own and say, hey, um, I need I need a little help. Um, what else did I want? Oh, <laughs> guys, maybe I need to make this a two part because we're already almost 40 minutes. Um, if you're prescribed a medication and I can't say this enough, you have to go back. You got to follow up. If, say you go in and your provider says, you know what, I think that we should try an antidepressant. They take a couple of weeks to kick in. Let's just see how it goes. Don't say, well, this wasn't helpful, so I'm not going back because it's only going to cost me more money. Your life is worth investing the money that it costs to get the help that you need. Go back. Call them back, follow up and say, this is how I'm feeling. This is, you know, is this normal? Um, there's a lot of side effects to, to some of these medicines. Sometimes people are sleepy. Sometimes they um, lose a little bit of their oomph, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And sometimes you just need someone to tell you whether that's normal or not, or adjust your dose to make it something that's tolerable for you. So I think we probably will have to do a second installment on this um, because I would like to, I, I feel like I could talk about this subject forever because we don't discuss it enough. Um, but like Matthew said, um, everybody ebbs and flows. Um, but when your ups and downs get really high and really low or you start to notice that they're getting higher and or lower, uh, might be time to reach out for a little help. If you are a medical provider and you're listening, um, I hope that you will 
add that one sentence to your visits with patients. How are you doing with all of this? I see a lot of older um, patients and a lot of them are incredibly isolated. They know that they are more vulnerable to the COVID-19 illness um, and they're afraid. They're afraid and they're alone. And they're not as mobile as some of us younger folks, and they don't have access to all the cable. And, and you know, we're over here watching Netflix and distracting ourselves. They've been on fixed incomes for years and haven't been able to afford those extras. So imagine some of the um, older folks in our community are really, really um, going without and having a rough time. So check your check in with your grandmas, your grandpas, your aunties, your uncles, your homegirls, your homeboys, all your people. Just, you know, make your little list. Give them a call. Say, I was thinking about you. Um, We're all dealing with our own stuff. And so it can be hard to think outside of ourselves. But I think that it's important that we do that. Any final thoughts from you, Seth? Yeah. So um, I guess to to wrap up, a, a couple thoughts across my mind. So one, I would like to advise everybody, you know, out there to get to know what's available in your state. Mental health is something that does vary from state to state. Uh, Living where we live, um, there's not a lot of mental health intervention available, but knowing what is available can definitely help. Um, Also, you know, mental health is... um, everybody's responsibility i want to say you know understand that it has no mental health has no face it doesn't there's no age to it there's no culture ethnicity definitely no race to it it's uh something that affects us all some people more than others and so you know this is not some virus (laughs) you know like i it's just uh important to know that that this is something that can affect everybody and anybody and know that uh, sometimes people going through a mental health crisis aren't a danger to you you know I think that's important to know I know there's that stigma and there uh, is that fear of things that we don't understand but somebody going through a mental health crisis is just a person going through a mental health crisis that doesn't that doesn't mean they're a danger to you uh I would I would hope that if somebody see me in a way that spoke to me being gravely disabled, you know, just dysfunctional in the moment, that somebody would care enough to help yeah. and get pushed past the fear or whatever they might feel by whatever I might be doing, <laughs> right? Yeah. But it is it is important to know. I mean, I've worked with a lot of people in a lot of different spectrums of mental health. And I think that's probably one of the first things that people think is that this person is dangerous. And that's not always the case. And in fact, in, uh, gosh, going on 12 years that I've been working in this field, I've only felt at risk very few times. I mean, like a handful of times. And uh, have probably only been in physical danger twice (laughs) so i mean it's 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 not uh something to fear be cautious you know be be aware of the situation but do not fear the situation and um you know 
all, as always, you know, you just want it's we're all in this together. That's that's the bottom line. And know what's available in your state. Uh, the crisis line is nationally open to everybody. And you said you'll put that on your yeah, Instagram. Yeah, I'll put it on the IG for sure. All right, so be safe out there. Your mental health, be in tune with yourself, right? Everybody's individual mental health is, is you're responsible for yourself. So, you know, be in tune with yourself. Uh, and one thing I'm sure DDNP would loves to hear you say, right, get a doctor, have a regular doctor that you see. And have a continuous in care, like have a consistency yeah. in your care, whether physical, mental, whatever the case may be. You need a doctor, somebody who can help you through your peaks and your valleys and give the medication time if you need it. It's, it's not a curse to be on medication. Okay. And I've, I've seen it change people's lives for the better. Right. And sometimes they miss on the first time. Sometimes, you know. It's a visit they got to do two or three times, but it's better than the alternative. Thank you so much for being a guest again. Um, you know, we're we're stuck together, so um, I am not breaking any rules by talking with you. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree 100% with everything you said. And, you know, guys, most of the time, if somebody in mental crisis is going to hurt anyone, it's themselves. And so that's why we look out for one another because none of us want to see that happen. What we do want to see, though, is more conversations like this, more discussions about topics that are um, helpful to you all. I hope this conversation was helpful. Let me know in the comments. I'm on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, at D the NP. Let me know what you guys want to talk about. What is a topic that you are interested in learning more about? Because you know I'll go out and find the people. I know some people. I got the plugs. And I will bring them to you. And between me and them, we will get you all the way together because we are lit for health over here. Health is wealth. And we're trying to secure the bag. Until next Next time, eat fresh and dance. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Purple Stethoscope. I'm your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. You can find me on social media at D the NP. That's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now Patreon. If you liked what you heard, Go ahead and share this episode and then head over to Patreon to see how you can further support this work. Mm-hmm.